Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just love you so much, Jesus. We praise you. If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Uh, this scripture will always be very memorable to me. Uh, I'll tell you why in just a moment, but it's, uh, it's just got a, a, a special meaning to me just because of when I first ever heard this scripture. 1 Peter 4 and 12, Peter writing to the church, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And today for just a little while, I'll speak on this thought. That sounds funny. Think on this thought. Uh, think it not think it not. Let's pray for the lesson today. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word, for the instruction in life it gives. Let us receive it into good ground today, God. Let us hear what the Spirit would say. We're going to praise you for it. We believe your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now one more hand clap of praise. Don't you love his word? Love the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Think it not. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Though some strange thing happened unto you. Uh, I remember why this, and I'll tell you why, and some of you have heard me when I've testified about uh, the night I came to the Lord. That night, uh, after I was baptized and was still uh, with a wet head and uh, just excited about what God was doing, so thrilled about the change that God had made in my life, I could feel it. I hope you felt it when you came out of the water. I felt it, knew it was different, and was just so excited. People hugging my neck, welcome, brother, God bless you, this is the the best thing ever, you just wait, God's going, you know, just, and I was just thinking about all the good things God was doing and how he was uh, just uh, changing my life, and I was so excited and so in love with Jesus, and just, I was ready to go to heaven right then, and just uh, wanted to see him, and man, just couldn't wait, just uh, couldn't, what's next, what's going to be better than this, and then uh, after the crowd of People patting me on the back and hugging my neck, kind of spread out. This one brother come up and took me by the hand and looked me straight in the face, and he said, Brother, think it not strange, the fiery trial that is to try you. I was like, what? <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, and you know, of course, I, I was like, thank you. I, I didn't know what to say. Uh, do I thank him for this? Do I run? What do I do? Uh, it's a... Uh, Trial. The word doesn't seem to fit with our new birth experience. When you think about the Holy Ghost, you think about love, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost. You think about shouting and victory, and you know, at first we we trial. What is what does that even this? You know, I, what I got uh, got me excited. I'm on fire. This is not trial. But when we first felt the love of God and that pull of the Spirit, 
the cleanness we feel after baptism, the, the power of the Holy Ghost when we speak in other tongues, the, all that peace and joy that comes with it. We start thinking about heaven, what it'll be like, streets of gold, hearing, seeing and hearing Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. No more tears, no more sorrow trial. So many promises, so much hope. Well, let me tell you, to every single new convert, there is a revelation coming. And it can be summed up in one word, trial. I don't want that word. People used to say, don't pray for patience because... There's a, a route to getting to patience. Tribulation worketh patience. And, uh, but you, the way you pray for patience or not, you're going to get it. <laughs> it it's, it's really a, a, a moot point because it's, uh, it's coming. Whether you pray for patience or not, uh, you're going to find yourself in tribulation. The writer in Hebrews said this to the converts, but called to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you know, Jesus said, now we're the light of the world. Once the light came on in us, he said, you endured a great fight of afflictions. That doesn't, let me tell you, it doesn't matter how great the fight of afflictions will be or that they are. It does not cancel out any of the joy of living for God. And there's days that are tough, but there ain't, not, uh, there ain't been a day invented that will make me want to quit living for God. And you say, well, you think that. No, I, say, no, I know that because there ain't nothing that I would ever quit living for God over. Man, I might feel like I want to lay down and die, but if I do, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. But, but there ain't nothing that will make me want to quit God. And so for every convert, every new convert, while well, yes, Congratulations, that's awesome. There's great things coming. But there's also other things coming. And you're going to get this revelation of, hey, every day ain't going to be like it was when you came out of the baptistry. And every day's not going to be like it was when the Holy Ghost moved in and you spoke in other tongues. Every day ain't going to be like uh, when you uh, laid hands on somebody and saw them, the sick recover. It's not always going to be like that. Some days you're going to be swinging and punching and fighting and kicking the devil in the teeth and someday he's going to be kicking you in the teeth. It's going to be trials. And so the Bible tells us we're not ignorant of our end or his devices. We need to understand and get a knowledge about it. You think that's pretty rough to lay on a new convert. He's still dripping wet out of the baptistry. I think it was some of the best advice I ever got. I'll tell you what I did is I went home, flipped that concordance open and started looking up trial. Everywhere the word trial was or tribulation, I started looking those words up and then going to the scriptures and began to study about trial and tribulation and trouble and, and things like that because I said, I want to know what's coming. And uh, I wrote down in a notebook page after page after page after page of things just studying that. And, and you know what helped me in my early days? When those trials and those bad days would come, I'd say, I already read about you. I know who you are. I know what you are. And I ain't quitting. I'm not giving up. I, I'm not going to believe that this is anything but what it is. It's just the enemy trying to attack me. I, I learned and we learned that there is an enemy, the devil, Satan, 
that old lion roaring and seeking whom he may devour. We learn that our flesh doesn't want to give up so easily when we first come to God. We understand that no good thing dwells in our flesh according to Paul and that it is that constant war with the Spirit. And the Lord told us that we would be hated by all kind of people just for his name's sake. Can I tell you everybody doesn't share your enthusiasm about Jesus? When you first come to the Lord, all those people that you used to run with, the scripture says they think it's strange that you don't run with them anymore to the same excess of rioting and, and carrying on and acting up. What happened to you? Where'd you go? How come you, ain't, how come you wasn't at, at poker night? How come you wasn't at the club this weekend? How come you ain't drinking no more? How come you ain't doing this no more? How, where'd you go? I started following the Lord, and he wasn't walking that way. And uh, everybody everybody's not, doesn't share your enthusiasm about getting right with God. And that's where a lot of trial will come from. You, hey, you can call them BFF, ride or die, whatever they call them today. Uh, I know it seems like it changes ever so often. And, um, you know, but uh, you can pinky swear with them or do whatever it is you do. But everybody isn't as excited about Jesus as you are. They should be, and they might be if you share it with them. But let me tell you, trials will come. And so what, what do we do about these trials? Peter said, just think it not strange. And uh, listen, Peter told us, what you know will, it, will affect what you think. You know, when you get information, you think on it. When you see something or hear something, you think on it. And so listen to what Peter also said at uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Listen what he's talking to the church about. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten to us again a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, that's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. And you are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, if it has to be this way, for a season, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Mm. We hadn't seen him, but we love him even though we see him not. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Now, Peter is reminding us the value of your trial. It's much more precious than gold that perishes. Think it not strange, the fiery trial. It's more precious. See, when we think fiery trial, this is going to be the end of me. This is awful. This is terrible. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, uh, it stinks. I hate it. But... It is more precious than gold that perishes. There's something in this. It is working for me. And my trial does not change the fact that I have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away. It's reserved for me. It's reserved for you. And knowing that, that's why Peter would later say, so don't think it's strange. 
when a fire trial comes, we always talk about don't think that, don't think these things. In this letter that Peter writes, 1 Peter, I want to tell you some things he talks about. He talks about being holy because God's holy. He talks about we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He talks about being born again, that we are living stones. He says we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, and though we were once not the people of God or even a people, now we are the people of God. Uh, he talks to us about baptism, uh, saving us. He, he talks about speaking as oracles of God and ministering to the glory of God. And then he gets to that verse 12. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that is to try you. And so if we're going to make it through, we had better grasp the meaning of that verse because it's more than just a little fleeting thought that pops in. The word, therefore, think, or that phrase, actually, when you look up that word, think, in your concordance, it's just got a bunch of dashes. It don't exist. But the phrase, think it not, does. And it actually means to entertain or to lodge. I don't, I don't want to entertain. So he's saying, beloved, don't entertain these kind of things. We're always saying, hey, don't, don't, don't say that, don't, don't do that, but how about not think that? Because power is given to what you entertain. And that's what Peter saying. He said, so, so think, think of this verse. Beloved, think it not strange, or don't entertain uh, the thoughts that you have concerning this fiery trial that's trying you as though some strange, the word strange, that means foreign or alien, thing has happened unto you. Quit acting like what's going on to you uh, is happening to you because you are foreign or alien from God. Because you're not. Remember, what you know affects what you think. If you know that you have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that you have been uh, called to this glorious hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you, you understand that there's a reason for the trial you're going through, when you understand these things, when the trial comes, you don't entertain the thoughts of, hey, I must be a failure. You, you don't lodge them. You know what happens when you lodge something? You put it up. It's like, yes, that's like a term of, of like staying somewhere. You, it, we're, that's where we're going to lodge. In other words, that's where we're going to reside for a while. Don't, don't keep those kind of thoughts in your mind when that trial comes. That, uh, what thoughts? That this is something that happens to foreigners. Because we understand that, that God is, is uh, uh, angry with the wicked. And we understand that, that God does not hear the prayer of sinners. And we understand the scripture talks about things where, where uh, God is, uh, iniquity separates us from God and things like that. But even though we are his children, we still have trials of our faith. And so you've got to learn to not entertain the thought that the reason I'm going through this is because I've messed up somewhere. If you have, God will show you. But if you have it, if you know I haven't done anything, then quit acting like you have. And understand that there is a time, a season, if it has to be this way. Sometimes it needs to be that way to get us where we need to be. Sometimes there needs to be a trial to show us that we need to trust God with everything. Sometimes there has to be 
a little heartache, a little pain in our life to help us to learn to stop relying on ourselves and rely on God. But whatever you do, stop entertaining thoughts that I must be a failure, I'm not as good as anybody else, that I, I must be a foreigner to God. No, this is what happens to the beloved. He starts out saying, beloved, the blood bought, the Holy Ghost field, the church, the bride. Quit thinking, quit entertaining thoughts of, hey, everything's going wrong just because something is happening in my life. Don't think about that. You know, we need to make sure that we're thinking on pure things. The Bible says whatsoever is pure and lovely and just, think on these things. Think on those kind of things. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So when you start entertaining the thought that I must not be right with God, it won't be long, you won't be. I must be a failure. It won't be long, you will be. That word in Proverbs, it says, think it, how's a man thinketh in his heart, means it's, it's making a reference to like a gate or a gatekeeper. What are you letting in? Your heart. The Bible says, out of the heart are the issues of life. So as you think in your heart, that's the way your life will go. And so when you're thinking, oh, I must be a failure. I must be, I must surely, I'm doing something wrong. Sure, maybe, maybe God doesn't even love me. The thoughts of despair, negativity, the falsehood that come creeping in when trouble stops by. Friend, you've got to remember, those, the enemy will take every opportunity. Brother Harvey said it the other night. He said, you can be doing as good as you can possibly be doing, and the enemy will speak to you to tell, convince you you're missing out on something. Or you, and it's the same way in these trials. You can be doing your very best, and it just be the trial of your faith, but you're thinking, I must be doing something wrong. Where did that thought come from? Well, listen, don't entertain it. Kick it out. <laughs> listen, this is not only something that happens to people. You know, well, this, this only happens to people that God don't love. It rains on the just and the unjust. It, things, try, time and chance happens to us all. But we've got to remember that I can't entertain these kind of thoughts. Uh, listen, God loves you. He washed you. You've been filled with his spirit. Don't cast away your confidence. It has a great recompense of reward. You've got to remember, I know God loves me. And, but why does this happen? Because it happens to all of us. There's trials and tests that happen to each and every one of us. Think it not strange. Hey, let's think about Job for a minute. When we think about Job, we immediately think about his loss. But do you ever think about what God said about him? In Job 1 and 1, the, the very first thing we find out about him, there was a man, his name was Job, perfect, upright, feared God, shoot evil. Perfect, upright. Verse 5 said he was constantly uh, uh, offering up burnt offerings uh, to the Lord for his children because he, he thought maybe they, they did something in their heart. And, and so it said Job continually offering sacrifice, praying for his kids, doing what's right, feared God. Just, man, I mean, just loved God with everything he had, worshiped God, held on to his integrity, and yet still he lost his possessions and still he lost his children and still his health was affected. 
Friend, the mind can be our worst enemy. The Bible says that there are people that said they can believe a lie and be damned. You know, you believe the lie of the devil and lose out with God. You believe the lie of somebody else. The Bible says let every, you know, God be true and every man a liar. Be careful about who's speaking to you, telling you things and saying things to you. And, and, and somebody tells you, you know, when you're going through something, you're confiding in them. So, you know, I don't even really go to church or, or do all that stuff anymore. Man, my life's great. And you, you should just get away. Don't cast away that trial. I want to get out of this trial. Sure you do, but you want to get out of it the right way. You want to get out of that trial the right way. You don't want to uh, uh, give up in that trial and say, okay, you don't want to tap out, throw in the towel. You want to go through that trial. And don't let somebody say, well, when I quit doing all that stuff, my life just got better. Look at all the stuff I got. Stuff will never be an indicator of how well off you are with God. I see people that, that, that walk away from God and walk away from the church and, like, and they're, they're talking about, look at all this stuff I got and, and look how good God is and, Man, there's atheists, don't even believe God. Brand new houses, brand new cars, big old jobs. That don't stuff ain't an indicator about how you and God are. Job lost all this stuff. And that was the indicator of how him and God was, that he never lost his integrity. He held on to what he had. Many people have lost out because of what they thought. That mind, they have, but it's not just a fleeting little, oh, hey, and then it goes away. I'm talking about entertaining it. Uh, it another thing about lodge, you say, what's that lodged in there? That means it's stuck. And it's got to be pried out or cut out because it's lodged in there. And, and sometimes you get these lies and these feelings and these emotions and, and it, it gets in there. And when you start entertaining those things and lodging those things, that's where bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred and and divisions, that's where all that comes from. Because once it gets lodged in there, then you dwell on it. And you, you begin to dissect it and twist it. And you turn, you turn it, for long, you just turn it into something that's not even true. You, you can get it so messed up in your mind and be thinking one way that uh, somebody, you're just thinking, nobody likes me, nobody likes me. You don't know why, you're just thinking that. The enemy's told you nobody likes you. And, and somebody happens to walk past you and not speak, and now you think it's true. Well, you didn't even speak to me, so I just thought. This happened, and so I thought. Well, they did this, and I thought. But let me tell you, them assumptions, you got to be careful about assuming things. Well, I just assumed. Uh, ooh, I can't stand somebody. Uh, Pastor, I'm just upset with you. Why? Well, this is, so I just assumed. I'm like, right there. Before you start assuming, why don't you just talk to me? Before you just start making assumptions about, why don't you just talk to me? Maybe I didn't get your phone call. Maybe I didn't get your text. Maybe I didn't see you that day. Maybe you thought I did. I waved at you going down I-20. Okay. I might have thought you was an angry driver and you was, wasn't waving. You know, I don't know. But it's like, so I, and you just, well, you was just going and you, you passed right past me. 
I'm sorry. So I just assumed you was upset with me. Have you done anything to make me upset? Well, no. Then why did you assume that? Well, just thoughts in my mind. And then I, all the way home, I entertained that thought. And I let it lodge in there, and I dissected it. And, and now they say, you know, pastor don't love me no more. Or whoever. Just quit assuming that. Quit assuming things. And, and, and that's, that's, that's that thought process. You, you're entertaining it. The, think it not strange. Don't think it. Stop thinking about that. Stop sitting around thinking, nobody likes me. Woe is me. Uh, my life's over. God. He said, don't think it like you're somebody foreign to God. You belong to God. I've said this so many times. Remember who you are and also remember whose you are. Who do you serve? Who bought you? Who purchased you? Who lives inside of you? Who died for you? Who's faithful? Who's true? Who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you? That's your Lord. One writer said, well, you, you delivered my soul from death. Won't you keep me from falling in the, the land of the living? Sure. I didn't save you to be destroyed. I didn't save you so you could sit around all by yourself, shut in somewhere, thinking bad thoughts, entertaining bad thoughts. And the, I'll say it again. You begin to give power to the things you entertain in your mind. Uh, because once you begin to think it, as a man thinketh, uh, so is he. You, you will make yourself, you will mold yourself into that. Uh, what, however miserable you see yourself in your mind, that is how you will be. And you can do all the out exterior physical things to think you have changed that, but inside you will still be miserable. Because you got the have it right in here. It's what's inside, what comes out. And it doesn't matter how we decorate it or, or, or dress it up on the outside. If we're sick inside, it always shows through. Think it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you get over stuff. I'm trying to help you when it comes your way uh, because if we don't recognize it, we can serve God a long time and then we how did it get tripped up so easy. Because you didn't understand that the trial wasn't because of something you did wrong. It was because of what you're doing right. And if you'll trust God, you'll come through it. But if you entertain it, that thought as though some strange or foreign or alien thing has happened, like this, this only happens to people who don't belong to God, then you miss the very opening line of, of Peter's verse. Beloved, that's you. Beloved, and you're not foreign, you're not alien, you're not uh, separated from God. You're just going through the trial of your faith. And it's more precious than gold that perishes. And that's what Peter's telling us. Don't entertain the thought like you're, some, like you're godless. The Bible says some people suffer as Christians and some suffer as evildoers. Sometimes we suffer the right way. We suffer as Christians. I believe that was Peter that wrote that as well. That we suffer not as others, but we suffer as Christians, not as evildoers. Don't entertain those thoughts. So we are the beloved. He's telling the church, get your mind right about what you're going through. 
Get your mind right about what's going on in your life. Understand that uh, time and seasons, and, and uh, I like what Brother Harvey said the other night about time. Uh, what is time making of us? Because in that time period, there's going to be a trial. There's going to be a test. What is it making out of us? And then ask ourselves, are we still holding on uh, like we ought to? Or, or are we still holding on like, do we still believe we mean something to God? Don't you still believe you mean something to the Lord? Job said something else when his, uh, I believe it's when his wife approached him, Job 2, 9, and 10. His wife said, do you still retain your integrity? Just leave that up for a second. Now, Job, our kids are dead. We, all our livestock, we've lost servants. People are talking in town saying, must be something bad. Job must have really did something wrong if God has brought all this punishment on. If, if all this is happening to Job, maybe he's really not all we thought he was. And, and so his wife seeing all that's gone wrong, asked Job, do you still act like you and God got something? Are you still believing God loves you? Are you still holding on to your integrity? Are you, you still just acting like, yep, I'm the same I was as when I had all the stuff? Is that what you're doing, Job? What I think you should do, Job, is just curse God and die. Now, Job can entertain that thought he can let it lodge in his mind or he can uh, speak to his integrity. And then in verse 10, uh, he says, you speak as one of the foolish women speaketh. And then he asks the question, what? Do you think we're going to receive good at the hand of God? Now listen, a lot of people read this wrong. He's not saying we receive evil at the hand of God because the Bible says God tempteth no man with evil. He's just saying, do you think... We're going to get all these good things from God and that evil will not touch us, that we won't have heartache and pain. Other people have loss. Why won't we? Other people go through things. Why won't we? So do you think that uh, we're going to receive good things at the hand of God and then not have bad days, not have trials? So I ask, do we think we're going to be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, sins washed away, ready for heaven and not have a trial? We're going to have a trial. It's going to happen. And so in everything Job did, he did not sin with his lips. He didn't let what was going on in here come out of here. He didn't uh, speak evil of God. He didn't speak e evil of his walk. He didn't speak evil of the life he had lived uh, all the time. Because uh, one trial, one thing, one thing not happening uh, like we want it to happen, and all of a sudden we have forgotten all that God has done. We've forgotten all the joy and the praise that flew out of our mouth over receiving the Holy Ghost or seeing our friends receive the Holy Ghost or you know, we, we've, all the great things, services we've had, all the miracles we've watched God do in one thing, and all of a sudden, that's what I get for living for God. Mercy. Don't, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Hold on. Remember, you mean something to God. We are blessed of God. That never, ever, there's nowhere in the Scripture that tells you that trials won't come. Jesus told his disciples, in the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
There's no reason because of a trial or test to think that my relationship with God or his view of me has changed. God's view of Job did not change because he didn't have stuff. Job lost his stuff because of his view. It was the, the Lord that asked the question, have you considered my servant Job? Go on and mess with his stuff. He'll be fine. Go on and make him sick in his body. He'll be fine. You just can't take his life. God's not going to let the enemy take our... He'll, the Bible says we live by what? Faith. Somebody heard it. Faith. The Bible says we live by faith in God. The just shall live by faith. The one thing that the Lord told Peter, maybe this is where Peter gets some of this writing, some of this understanding, is that the Lord said, Peter, Satan has desired you, just like Satan desired Job. He's desired you. He wants to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith or your life, because you live by faith, fail not. He didn't let Job, he didn't let the enemy take Job's life. I'm not going to let you take his life. And he said, Peter, Satan's coming. He's going to sift you, and I am praying that your faith fail not. You can have confidence in what God puts his hand in front of. God's going to, he didn't save us to be destroyed. And he says, I want you to have faith in me and remember uh, what your life is. Your life is not your stuff. Your life is not things. It is not, your life is wrapped up in me. And Job's life was wrapped up in God. And Peter's life was wrapped up in Christ. And, and so he said, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. You may be sad. You're going to cry. Peter cried. Even tried to go back and, and try that fishing thing again. Didn't work out. Went back out and said, I think I'll go fishing. Fished all night. Didn't catch nothing. Because ain't nothing back there. You, you got to keep going on for the Lord. God had something for him. Don't entertain the thoughts. Don't let them lodge there. And, uh, and don't think that just because you're going through something that the view of you that God has has changed. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And when you can remember the facts, you hear me, when you can, that's what Peter is, where he's always reminding us, I'll stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. I want to remind you of some things of who you are because I know there's a roaring lion. He, he wrote a lot about the trial and the enemy, uh, the things that we face. And maybe it's because of the own trials that he went through. And he was really, this is the expansion of what Jesus meant when Satan desired to have you and sift you as wheat. Now Peter's just expanding. I've lived through the sifting and here's what you do. You remember the facts, and the facts will always keep you hanging on. So remember, the presence of trouble is not the absence of God. Job said, I can't perceive him. But was God there? Did God see every bit of it? Didn't God even orchestrate it? God orchestrated it. And so uh, the presence of trouble, trials, tests, loss is not the absence of God. Psalm 23 and 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but that don't change this. You're with me. 
and your rod and your staff, it comforts me. Isaiah 43 and 2, when you pass through the water, I'll be with you. Through the river, they won't overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And guess who was with them? There was a fourth man with them in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The presence of fire wasn't the absence of God. The order of the king wasn't the absence of God. Them being thrown in wasn't the absence of God. He was there all the time. And if I can remind you, Jesus said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And that does not change trouble, trials, do not change who we are to him. And it doesn't change the fact about how much he loves us. He purchased us with his blood, filled us with his spirit, loved us, the scripture says, with an everlasting love. And if he does correct us, he says, I only correct you if I love you. Everything he does for us, it's in love. So don't think it. Don't entertain it. Don't let it lodge there because don't, that, that, oh, there's something terrible, something awful is happening. There's a purpose for it. Romans 8 and 28, we know all things work together. Brother Patrick brought this out so great the other night. For the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, you've got to love God. Job loved God. You know, to the, those who are called or the called according to his purpose. Paul said in one place that it's God that worketh in you to will and to do his good pleasure. He's working in all of it. In 2 Corinthians, whoa, hang on there. Don't run away. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, Paul, some, some of our favorite scriptures we quote when we're in trials. Do we believe what we quote sometimes? 2 Corinthians 4, 15 through 18 said, For all things for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the Thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. And though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our light affliction is but for a moment. It works for us. It works for us. Hey, that works for me. Next time you have a trial, the Bible said count it all joy, but you can just say, trial comes and hits you. You say, hey, it works for me. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to let you go. I can't keep you at the job no more. That works for me. Say that to your employer and see what happens. He's your former employer. Say, so, hey, what's going to fire you? I just hit a deer with my car. That works for me. You know, got a bad phone call. That works for me. Or your light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Well, see, the Bible says that God blessed the latter end of Job greater than his beginning. And uh, he, he did have children again, most beautiful daughters, they said, in the land. Saw generations of grandchildren. And they, well, that's the stuff all that happened here. It's written down. It's eternal. The story of Job is eternal because God's word never passes away. 
it'll never pass away. The book of Job will always be there as a remembrance of the glory of God and for God to get the glory. And so uh, Job's uh, benefit through his trial, through his test, what he went through, that he held on and kept his integrity will be there for the ages. It'll never be forgotten. It's forever settled in heaven. Eternal weight of glory. So we don't look at things that are seen. We see them, but we just don't entertain them, dwell on them. We don't do that, but we look at the things not seen for the things seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Listen, we don't want to lose hope, but there is a process for gaining hope. The Bible says hope's an anchor for the soul. I want hope. Here's where it takes to get it, Romans 3 or 5, yeah, 3 through 5. We glory in tribulations also, knowing that, remember, what you know affects what you think. Knowing, this is a fact, that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hope's an anchor for the soul. There's a process to getting it. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's like I've said before, hope is like the great-grandchild of tribulation. It, it, it don't, it's not, hey, I got hope. But see, once you have hope, once you go through that first trial and you have hope and hope becomes an anchor to the soul, every time you go through, you start out in that tribulation, now you have hope that God will do what he did last time, <laughs> that God will do what he did that time. <laughs> see, uh, but that first trial, you're just hanging on and gritting your teeth and trusting God and he come through. It's funny that hope comes at the end of that. We think we need hope to get through it. Oh, you'll make it through and hope will be the benefit of it. Hope. So don't think, don't entertain those thoughts. So what do I do? Peter said, rejoice inasmuch as you are the partakers of Christ's sufferings. So when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So just rejoice. I know that sounds silly, but have you ever just, in the middle of your worst day, your worst trial, have you ever tried just stopping and saying, blessed be the name of the Lord? Because Job fell down and worshiped the Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I know that, I know we read that, Pastor, but do you really do that? Why don't you try it? Because it'll work. Will it make you not sad? No, you'll still be sad. It won't automatically make your headache go away. It might not give you your job back, but it'll let God know that you're still holding on to your integrity that uh, you didn't uh, trust God for the stuff, but you loved God for who he was. So, so, so just try, try that. Say, so, you know what? Hey, rejoice. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Got a phone call. Didn't go the way I wanted. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't know how I'm going to pay uh, for my bills this week, but blessed be the, the Lord's still good. The Lord gave. The Lord took away. Blessed be his name. Rejoice and know you're part of this cross-carrying life. The Lord said, take up that cross and follow me. What a call to the human race. 
If any man, he, and he opens it up to anybody, if any man will be my disciple, let him take up his cross and follow me. Wow. The Savior, God wrapped in flesh, just gives a blanket call to anybody. Whosoever will, let him come. Fantastic. First Peter 4 and 1, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. That mind where those thoughts come in. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. You know, Jesus never questioned who he was. He never questioned if he was the beloved son, even with everything he went through. Despised, rejected, mocked, you know, hated of his own people. Nobody believed him, his own hometown. He couldn't even do miracles in his own hometown because people said, that's the carpenter's boy. They didn't have faith in him. And so he was uh, false accused, murdered, but it never, never changed what he thought about who he was. He knew who he was. He said, to this end was I born. To this end did I come into this world. And he gave us weapons. And I'll finish here because I know it's time to, to wrap up. 2 Corinthians 10. Just think about this. 2 Corinthians 10, I'll just put it up to 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that tries to change what you know, the facts that you know about God and that you belong to God, and then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, let my thoughts be like his thoughts. Let that mind be in me that was in him. Let me understand that just because I'm going through this, Jesus went through it and he knew this is just part of me getting to Calvary. Well, this is just me and you getting to glory, getting to heaven one day. God sees everything. And so remember what you know. Remember the facts. And that's what's going to help you to think it not, to think it not strange. Let's stand together this morning. Lift our hands to the Lord and let's give him a little praise in this house this morning. Thank him this morning. Receive the word of the Lord. Lord, we love you and thank you for giving us that access, Lord, into your word to understand and know that, Lord, we're going to have trials and tests and tribulations, but it does not alter what you think about us and it should not alter what we think about you. Lord, you have called us and we know that there'll be tribulations in this world, but you have overcome this world. Help us, Lord, to remember who we are and who we belong to. We love you. We praise you, God. We want to see your glory. We're going to always lift you up, God. Bless us now, Lord, to receive this word in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. What a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So hang in there, saints. I, you know, I've told people before, and I, I've, I've said it to people. I said, you know, I, I love you, and I wouldn't let nobody talk about you. 
So I'm not going to let you talk about yourself either. If I hear you running yourself down, I might thump you right in the forehead. Yeah, that's what you get. Because I know what God thinks about you. I know how God loves you. You need to know how God loves you. And remember, he's on your side. God's for you. And if God be for you, that's right. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. Look forward to some great things in Jesus' name. God bless you.